Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. <coughs> yeah. How you doing? Uh, this cough is still um, still hanging on. Yeah. Let me ask you how you are doing. In the last week, we started off the, uh, last week, a few days ago, mm-hmm. um, our, our last episode, we started off thanking Susan Burke. Yeah. And then mentioning that in the space between her recording the show and it being posted... That there was a fire yes. in her apartment. Between that and now, there was a fire here in this apartment. There was your yes. apartment. It was uh, not a huge. It wasn't a huge deal as far as the fire itself. It was right. just uh, in the oven. Um, but but then, uh, the big, the bigger issue was the cleanup uh, once the fire extinguisher was deployed. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's been a, it's been a long, a frustrating of couple of days. Yeah. yeah, which just settles like dust over everything in the apartment and so but, but as of just shortly before i showed up here they took down the plastic sheeting the guys in the hazmat suits packed right. up their gear and so now it just smells like cleaning materials in here to me <laughs> does it really yeah like too much um i, I think i'm used to it was, when i when i walked in it hit me okay but i'm used to it now would you say it was overwhelming i'm saying it it, it hit me pretty hard when i walked in okay. but you just had people come in and professionally clean up yeah chemical dust so but you have a cold uh-huh anyway so what does that mean i, I don't know that means it actually probably smells even stronger than i think it does because i'm stuffed up i was saying maybe it'll clean out your sinuses you know maybe you should just really breathe it maybe i'll turn off the air purifier that i bought and you can just take a nice long nice long whiff just stick your head uh-huh. in our oven uh-huh. not to kill yourself uh but to uh you know really clear those things out sure uh, that sounds like a plan yeah. Um, I'm not a doctor, though. <laughs> <laughs> but so, um, oh, and that also, by the way, explains. Uh, I, I'm going to try and keep my energy up for this episode. Yeah, but uh, I might kind of drag a little bit, and <laughs> so I might not be my usual boisterous self. So I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah, we're doing this earlier in the day than we usually do, and you had to get up much earlier than you usually do yes. because of the cleaning people. Um. Yeah, what would you? How do you describe your normal schedule, sleep schedule? Well, it's not know, what it used to be. I know that our friend Mike Schmidt talks about how he lives upside down. That's how he describes it. I don't know if he does anymore. I don't. Right, I mean, right, right. It was that his job required it. Uh, but uh, yeah, ever since I got back from Dominican Republic and I, and I was jet lagged, I really tried to take advantage of that. I was going to bed about five or six a.m. every night, uh, every morning, um, and then waking up about one or two. Now uh, it's. Last night I went to bed probably about f- uh, probably about four, mm-hmm. um, maybe about four thirty. But uh, but these days it's actually pretty common for me to go to bed uh, closer to three, which is very exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I'll wake up around eleven or twelve, and uh, so I'm that much closer to like a like a regular person, uh-huh. a real person, one could say. But uh, but yeah, so that's. The downside is that I can't not go to bed at like three or four, and so if I do wind up uh, having to wake up early, and for example, you and I will be on a we've we've got to be we've got an early call in a couple weeks, yeah, yeah, to yeah. be on a, a video. Eleven points. We're going to okay. We're, we're eleven returning points to Eleven points countdown. I don't want to make a promise, and um, then one of us gets in a car accident. You know. God. Um, <laughs> I certainly hope there aren't people who, if I was in a horrible car accident who their only thought is disappointment that I'm not going to be on the 11 points countdown. <laughs> it would be my first thought, if that were the situation. Um, so, 
Uh, I wanted to mention before we get into the our sort of fun topic today, uh, a movie I watched last night, um, mm-hmm. uh, a recent documentary called Side by Side. Um, I forget the director's name, um, but it stands out for being produced by and um, sort of, I guess you would say, sort of hosted by Keanu Reeves because mm-hmm. he conducts the interviews. And the interviews are, uh, it's nuts how he got everybody. Yeah. It's got Martin Scorsese, David Lynch, David Fincher, James Cameron. Uh, all sorts of big name directors, as well as big name cinematographers like Vilma Zygmunt and Ellen Curis. Um and he's got Walter Murch, and he's got uh, Lorenzo de Bonaventura. Wow! Uh, it's uh, it, yeah, lots, and even even actors. John Malkovich is is uh, in there. Um, uh, it's really uh, a, yeah, well, I guess populated uh, film. But he's interviewing people about um, digital cinema. And um, oh, he also interviews Christopher Nolan and Wally Pfister, who are on the side of um, the, the notoriously uh, still shooting on on film, mm-hmm. and uh, have they have both vowed to continue to always shoot on film? Yeah, um, and that's I, I wonder if Wally Pfister, because that is true in his non Christopher Nolan work as well. Moneyball was shot yeah. on film. I wonder if that's a prerequisite for him. I wonder if Wally Fister would turn down a job offer. I'm uh, sure. I'm sure he has the. He certainly has the freedom to do that. I think at this point he's <clears throat> he's enough of a name mm-hmm. uh, that if a director says I want to get you know Wally Fister, it's like all right. Well, you got you have to do this, otherwise I'm not doing it. And I I could see a lot of them. Well, I guess there's film is more expensive as well, right? Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. You know, I guess it depends on the production. Yeah, because Christopher Nolan actually talks about that in the movie. He's like, um, it, it's it's gotten to the point where he, um, you know, to the backers, to the studio people, he has to make a case. He has to justify yeah. why he would shoot on film. And as the, as side by side shows, it wasn't that long ago. It would be the other way around. Oh yeah. Um, and so, in addition to having this sort of conversation about about celluloid versus um, digital. Um, it also tells this sort of story of the history of digital cinema, starting in the early 1980s. And um, uh, as with a lot of technological advancements in film in the last 30 years, it starts with George Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, George Lucas is, of course, also uh, an interview subject. And um, it's just I, I can't. I, I want to not get too in depth here because I want to do an episode about this. Yeah. Cause it is, um, it actually is uh, kind of a sort of divisive um, subject uh, at times. And I have very strong feelings on it actually. And I'm not sure. I think we've talked about this. I'm not sure if I do have strong feelings. I think if I, if I understood the, uh, the issue a little bit more, I, so this documentary sounds like it's for me. I think I might develop <clears throat> a strong opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I also just sort of feel like, eh, to each his own. Like, if you want to do digital, great. If not, whatever. Yeah, but I, I think my strong feelings come in to the already discussed uh, money thing. Yeah. You know, in, insisting on film is also, it's a, it's a limiting proposition. You're making it harder for people to make movies, and I think it should be easier for people to make movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but it also, it also shows, like... <clears throat> Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll do an episode on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that sounds but, good. But uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up about it is, like, stuff that's sh- shot on shot digitally now, even, like, cheaper stuff that's sh- shot digitally um, looks a lot better than stuff that was shot digitally 
even 10 years ago. Oh, Because yeah. they show clips from 28 Days Later and Tadpole and it's uh, and, and Chuck and Buck, which is mm-hmm. probably the... F- that was probably the first one that I saw in the theater that, we, that it was shot on, mm-hmm. on video. Um, and it's like, it's amazing how, like, well, people... People put up with that. I put up with it. Well, I, and I liked it. Remember, uh, I believe Public Enemies was shot on digital, and like you, you could tell. I mean, it really. Yeah, yeah. But that was um, that was still high def. I'm, I'm talking about like essentially Chuck and Buck and Twenty Eight Days Later are essentially consumer grade. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that's what the celebration is. Um, Although to a certain extent, like Twenty Eight Days Later, not unlike when not unlike when they shot Night of the Living Dead on old grainy stock uh-huh. somehow that just contributed right, to the yeah. to the film um but anyway I, I i wanted to bring it up because i wanted to recommend people i rented it from itunes you can rent it you, you, i'm sure you can find ways to watch it i want to recommend that people the type of people who would listen to this podcast no oh, yeah will, will like this movie um, yeah i saw a, a trailer for it and i remember thinking like this is really interesting and then uh and then it said like you know produced by keanu reeves and 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 I remember just being like, huh, he never ceases to surprise me. He seems like positively. such a good, personable dude. Yeah. And just like every new thing I find out about him as far as his interests or something that's like a passion project. Yeah. But I was like, good for him. And also he um, has a policy of when he tends like award shows, which we'll uh, get to that in a bit, or film festivals or whatever, he does not accept the gift baskets that the guests are always Oh, that's giving. nice. Yeah, he's, he has a policy of not accepting them. I, I wonder that, what that is based on. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's a fine policy. I can't think of what, what I don't like about it. But at the same time, the, like... The reason they're giving this i mean these i don't know if you know uh, or if you saw there, there was like that episode of the sopranos that talked about uh, it, yes yes um, with uh ben, <laughs> ben kingsley, kingsley and and lauren bacall yeah uh, was briefly in that episode um you know the reason that these companies are giving these incredibly expensive things to these people for free is that they're you know hoping they'll talk about it or be photographed using it or that yeah. sort of thing and so Keanu Reeves is saying like he's just avoiding that whole it, situation I, yeah, he doesn't want to be used I guess as a you know yeah. for for marketing now isn't it possible to because there's no written agreement can you just take the gift basket and be like no oh, this is great but you don't say anything to anybody about it I think that's probably what most of them do they're just okay. I think they're just hoping like that or someone could be, you know, like if you give somebody a nice, like a watch or something, they could be photographed wearing that watch or something, or something yeah, like yeah, that. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. All right, yeah, good for Keanu Reeves, yeah. just avoiding that whole thing. Although I think Ben Kingsley's character, Ben Kingsley in The Sopranos, yeah. makes reference to the idea of taking it and then like giving it to charity or selling it and giving the money. Yes, to charity. I think so. Yeah, but I think that I mean, the sort of joke of that episode is that he's not going to do that. <laughs> that's a really fun episode. Yeah, and it and it's one that really stands out because it's so much about it is so strange. Uh-huh. It's like its own little pine barrens, but uh, <laughs> completely in a, in the opposite direction. All right. Um, real quick, I want to talk about. Um, uh, I, we, you know, I talk about tweakedaudio.com dot com every week, but mm-hmm. um, as we said, but, but last, this this week you really want to talk about. I it. I, I gotta do because I've like these. Uh, this, these new ones I got. Have you been mm. using your new I have ones? Been, yes. I'm 
I love them. Mm-hmm. I, I I got the they're called natural, the ones with the w- wood mm-hmm. on them. Um, I love the way they look. I love the way they sound. Uh, I really do recommend Tweaked Audio's products, mm-hmm. uh, not just because they sponsor us, but they do sponsor us, and that helps you because you can go instead of just going to regular old tweakedaudio.com and right. purchasing um uh professional quality earbuds at at the full price like a chump yeah you can go to tweakedaudio.com slash well, hang on, not, not like a full chump you're, no, still, you're, getting yeah, a, you're still getting good yeah earbuds. you still that's true. yeah that's true come on but now. those who are really in the know yeah know to go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension and that's where you get a third off in free shipping absolutely I think shipping might be free anyway. We've said that like every week, but I think I think that's a I think that's an ongoing tweaked audio policy of free shipping. Well, come on, we, <laughs> don't say that. Like we can make it sound very specific to you know slash pretension. Yeah. All right. That's and you know what? Here's the weird thing. If you go tweakedaudio.com slash forty, all of the free shipping elsewhere gets piled on there. So you're paying for other people's <laughs> shipping, basically. So don't go there. Oh, that's funny. Um, and that's it. That's all our sponsors, right? Uh, David. Yeah? I know it would seem so. Uh-huh. Allow me to tell you how just how wrong you are. Oh, n- normally I'm there's just you, the one sponsor. I'm going to tell you with a series of questions, which probably next week I'm going to stop asking. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. I think I've asked you these questions before. I don't totally recall. No, you definitely at the have. Very least, at the very least, I don't remember your answers. David, do you like comics? Like comic books? Comic books. I like comics and comic books. Fair enough. Comics and comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, do like you like, like film noir? Oh, sure. Okay. Sure. Do you like Irish hitmen? Uh, hang on. Okay. Not the end of the sentence yet. Dressed in pig masks. I feel like that's something I have liked all my life without knowing it until just now when you asked me that. Absolutely. You know, it's a thing you've always known. Moving on. Uh, well, David, you've, you've answered yes. To, I say if you answer yes to two out of three of these questions, it ain't bad. I did all three. Yeah. But yeah, even then if it's, it's only two. Yeah. Sounds to me like you should then head over to Kickstarter to support a new comic book called HIT. With an exclamation point. Exclamation point. That's, and it's all caps. That's why I did that. Oh, okay. Hit is the debut comic book from Gentleman Baby Comics, a Tallahassee-based independent comic book publisher. That's a great name, too. Gentleman Baby Comics? Yeah, Gentleman I believe, Baby. I believe, if, uh, I won't say his name, but uh, our, our contact over there, uh-huh. uh, I believe he said that the phrase Gentleman Baby comes from a friend of the show, Jimmy Pardo. Yeah, I remember it from Never Not Funny. Yeah, and he got uh, permission from Jimmy. Okay, because I think one year that was Jimmy's uh, fantasy baseball team's name was the Gentleman Baby. I think Babies. so, yes. And so... Um, but yeah, so uh, Hit is a crime noir comic that pits vicious hitman Connor Connolly against the Irish Mafia. And you, David, you, but also the listener, and me, anybody, can be a part of it. The Kickstarter campaign to fund Hit is live right now. Go to battleshippretension.com and click on the ad to make a donation. You can also get some really cool rewards for, really cool. for anything. Uh, t-shirts, buttons, stickers... And then I like this one. You have to, you know, you, this is not a $5 donation. You got you to gotta chip in here. But you can have your own likeness put into the comic book, and you get shot by our main character. Yeah. You know what? I'm sorry. That's presumptuous of me. Assassinated. 
Oh, right. You don't know Maybe what not you, shot. It could be a garroting. Yeah, I love that word. Uh-huh. You could get shivved. You know, who knows? Uh-huh. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, this is my speculation, if you donate enough money, you can, you choose. <laughs> it's like I like how you're making, <laughs> you make the rules now. Hey, prove me wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a weird thing. It's a weird challenge. And then for, admittedly, the highest price, mm-hmm. you can even win a trip to San Diego Comic-Con to help Gentleman Baby Comics promote their debut comic. They're going to put you to work. Yeah. But in San Diego at Comic-Con. And you know what? While you're there, you can meet us. Yeah. There you yeah, go. probably. It all works out. Uh, so the goal is only $3,000, which I will say now, they're very close to hitting already. But anything that, you know, it's not like they stop taking donations at $3,000. Mm-hmm. Anything above and beyond that, they put right back into the comic. So it's very exciting. Uh, so go to BattleshipPretension.com and click on the skyscraper ad on the right to, uh, to contribute. Okay, now uh, it's going to be that time of year, isn't it? It already is kind of that time of year. Yeah, very much so. Yes, uh, seen a lot of awards. Mm-hmm. New York Film Critics Circle. Have, have their awards been? I know their nominations are out. Yes, I th- I don't remember if the awards have have come out. Golden Globes nominations. Yes, and we're Indie Spirit nominations. Oh, uh, I didn't realize those were out. Those um, are like the first thing. It's oh, let me, because I, I've been I didn't doing, know they were out, and I forgot. Because I've been doing this fantasy Oscar thing, like I'm, I don't remember everything because we didn't include everything. But there are critics, like there's like the Detroit Critics Awards, mm-hmm. which no offense to Detroit, but part of me is like I don't. When I think of Detroit, I don't think of like a hotbed of, you know, great film criticism. Yeah, I don't think of cr- bad I, film criticism. I, I voted in the online film critics awards, and that's. Yeesh. Yeah, the I lowest know. Lowest of the low. I saw the nominations. Online and, uh, film critics. Oh, did you? Yeah. I forgot what they were. Yeah, I got a few <laughs> points off of that. Uh, yeah, that's obviously... By the way, I'm going to come in of, dead uh, last in the fantasy Oscar ah. draft. So, I mean, uh, But obviously, online film critics are just a bunch of fanboys. Uh, we all live at home in our parents' basements. Uh, okay. We wear sweatpants all day, right? Yeah. The, these are things that we do. Don't say we. I'm not a member of the. You know, I'm happily married. But you're I've got, a, I've got gainful employment. Okay. I'm, you know. Well, yeah. When I became a member of the Online Film Critics Society, I had to move back home and in, yeah. into my my parents' basement. And if you're, uh, if either your parents are both dead, or they live in a house without a basement, you're mm. not allowed to join the Online right. Film Critics Society. Yeah. Get back anyway. in the workhouse. <laughs> you're like yeah. a, you're like a Dickens character. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Um, so the, uh, in, a, in our next episode, I guess, is going to be about the Oscar nominations. Yes. And we're going to be doing a lot of episodes about, in, in the next month and a half or so, a lot of episodes about the year in film, 2012, our favorites, or, you know, uh, just we'll do, and then we'll yeah. do on the 24th of February an episode about the Oscars, about the Oscar ceremony itself. Now, this truly is, for me, the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, I know people tell you it's Christmas, and I love Christmas, but here's why I like Oscar season for Battleship Pretension. You got a lot of freebie episodes in there. Uh Like, we don't have to be like, oh, what's the topic? I don't know. Uh, Unintended themes? I don't really know what I mean by that, but let's Uh give it a shot. Uh You know, as opposed to like, "Ah, let's talk about the Oscar nominations. Sure. Sounds great. This, like... You know, the next eight weeks, like the next five, are already written. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, we got to cram a profile in there, too, somewhere. <clears throat> oh, um, shoot. Yeah, that's true. 
so that got us talking about uh, you know I, I the older I get the more I watch movies the more my tastes uh, run to things that often don't get nominated yeah uh, especially for Oscars um and there's plenty that do as well. I'm a big fan of Django Unchained and Life of Pi and mm-hmm. and and Amore and and things that are certain to get some attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, at the same time, you know, no one has seen White Tiger, and no one but me and a couple of people I know liked Casa de mi Padre. But these are like <laughs> among my favorite movies of the year. Yeah. So um, anyway, that said, even as I have gotten, <clears throat> and my tastes have changed. I still love the Oscars. Yeah, and we were talking about why we love the Oscars, mm-hmm. and so let's get into it, shall we? That's Absolutely. gonna be that's gonna be the episode. And I think this is a good. T- we, we've thought about this. We've thought about doing this episode of past Oscar seasons, mm-hmm. and I think the reason it's maybe worth uh, discussing this year is because this is the year, the first year in a long time that I have considered not watching the Oscars. Right. I think I've decided I'm going to watch the Oscars. Okay. That's where I am right I, now. I knew you would arrive there. <laughs> you knew? I know you better than you know yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is because of uh, who's hosting. Seth yeah. MacFarlane is just someone that I really am turned off by. It does kind of have a, a desperate quality picking him. <laughs> uh, where it's just like... Like the Oscars just threw their hands up and just uh-huh. said, I, I don't know uh, <laughs> what, what who can kind of who's kind of a showman. Hey, this guy did SNL and apparently went well. Let's let's give him a shot. Did it? I didn't I didn't watch it um, when he was on SNL. Did you see any of it? No, no. Uh, I occasionally will watch an SNL sketch on Hulu if I hear that it's good. Yeah, they were fun to watch during the uh, during the primaries. Because yeah. uh, any any primary, it's always fun to see their approx like how they choose to portray like lesser known candidates and that sort of thing. Um, real quick aside, listeners, if you if you watch Saturday Night Live, can you point me to the right sketch to help me get what is supposed to be funny about the Stefan character that Bill Hader plays? Because I love <laughs> Bill Hader, and I've watched a couple of them, and I don't. I feel like there was there must have been an origin one where the joke was explained yeah and now i, Con- I don't context was provided once <laughs> that's what it seems like i don't i don't get it um and i love bill Hader. yeah uh anyway that was a that was a quick aside um all right, all right where were we? man we're both a little slow today yeah sorry about that i think it's just we're both not used to afternoon records yeah um we are we are nocturnal people you and i yeah we focus better function better after the sun has gone down that's very true um anyway i the whole point that i'm trying to make here is that i do still love the oscars and uh, you know what no let's talk about seth MacFarlane. okay all right (laughs) because i think um i'm sort of of two minds about it or maybe that's not even right it's not like they got johnny knoxville to host the oscars like someone who okay uh, like that Johnny Knoxville seems so so wrong mm-hmm. that it would almost be <laughs> intriguing oh it's intriguing the minute you said <laughs> yeah. it I was like oh, well, oh they're on their way you know 
but the fact that Seth MacFarlane is in some ways thought of as this like uh, what provocateur, you mm-hmm. know, controversial figure because he makes these uh, he makes the kind of humor that unimaginative people would describe as edgy. Um, but at the same time, he is the word you use is showman. Yeah, like, very much so. He, uh, I think, really likes that part of it. So that's why I'm of two minds about it because um, I, j- I just don't think he's funny. I thought uh, I, I, I haven't watched. I watched the 200th episode of Family Guy. Okay. Um, and I hadn't seen one in years, and it was not funny. Um, there I was one funny thing. There's always one. Um, and it's usually not the bit, like, the big jokes aren't the ones that do it for me. The ones where they're really, like, you know, uh, swinging for the fences mm-hmm. aren't the ones that do it. It's always something small. There's a part in the 200th episode where Brian sneaks into Stewie's room to use his time machine. Apparently this has been canon okay. now that Stewie has a time machine. I haven't watched the show in a long time. And she, Stewie's asleep, and he's sort of like... <laughs> Like rolls it like stirs and mutters, you know, something in his sleep. Clearly, what he's dreaming and what he mutters is, uh, "Yes, I'd like to return this printer." <laughs> 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 yeah, that really made yeah, me laugh. You know, every once in a while, <laughs> uh, just you know, I'll say this: like uh, Seth MacFarlane is something of a joke machine. He'll just crank stuff out, uh, and the vast majority of it is not good. But when you're just cranking stuff out sooner or later, just by, just there's some kind of probability law in yeah, there. Yeah. But uh, uh, and well, yeah, and, and, and Ted th- had funny parts despite being mostly dreadful. And you're you're very much in the minority on that, by the way. Like That's most what people I hear. like it, and I, you you did not. Do you think I should see it? No. Okay. I don't think you should see it at all. all right. You should steer clear. Don't you want an ally just in case I don't like it? Uh, no, I mean I know um, my my friend Sean, former co-host of. Mm-hmm. previously on before he, the, before the falling out yeah <laughs> no uh, he saw it and also hated it so okay. i know i'm not completely in the minority okay but of course sean and i like became friends over comedy so we have because he also loved casa de mi padre so we have similar okay. com- comedic tastes anyway um i think it's going to be rough because you're going to get a you're going to get a terrible mixture of the two you're going to get showman and you're going to get him trying to be edgy a little bit he's going to sort of I don't know. There is a weird kind. We've talked about this before. There is a there is a weird kind of thing that you need to be a good host, a good uh, Oscar host, and it needs to be like you have to sort of believe in the occasion while also poking just the right amount of fun at it. You go too much, mm-hmm. and you wind up David Letterman, and, and people don't like. Don't be wrong. I like David yeah. Letterman, but everyone's like, no, no, no. He was he mocked the occasion too much, you know, uh, or you go like frankly ellen or whoopi goldberg and there's such there's so much positivity that after a while it, ge- uh, it seems vaguely sycophantic i liked ellen though she was fine she was um, a, you know kind of a breath of fresh air but like i thought john stewart did well i think conan o'brien could do well because he he can be well, very ingratiating but he can poke fun at things and he's a, a performer i think frankly stand-ups are the best People who have a background in stand-up comedy yeah. are the best people to host yeah. the Oscars. Um, so, I mean, Seth MacFarlane, even if you think he's funny, uh, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong, just that I disagree. Um, he's not a stand-up. He doesn't have that. Because even like a John Stewart or a Chris Rock, um, who are not sort of old-timey vaudevillian in there, or, or weren't, you know, John Stewart doesn't do stand-up anymore, I guess, but it wasn't. They're just being a stand-up 
lends you a sense of showmanship because you you have to you have to know how to run a live room yeah um to 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 be good and i think that is that's what so that's what makes for the best so i'm yeah i i i, I think seth MacFarlane. what i'm afraid of is that he'll be a showman in the wrong way and maybe kind of the way that Anne hathaway was where Anne hathaway yeah. clearly really believed in the oscars believed in the show and yeah. wanted it to be good but when it wasn't working she didn't she doesn't have a bag of tools to a bag of tools? You don't keep tools in a bag. I do. Just a big plastic bag. <laughs> I, I got my, I got like my a, saws and screwdrivers. I like a burlap sack or like maybe the kind of sack with like a dollar sign on it. Right. But it's like... Picture it, of a wrench. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that no. year is a good example of what I'm talking about. You get, you get James Franco, who clearly was so not committed to this that you feel like, well, come on, man. Just leave if you don't want to be here. Yeah. And then you have Anne Hathaway, who's so positive, And, like, you wanted a combination of the two of them that's, <laughs> you know. And that's the thing. I may not, I think, I, of course, Billy Crystal is, like, dad humor all the way. But every once in a while, like, he knows ex- he would know exactly the right thing. And he could deliver the line. And, and it's, it's not just about the delivery. It's also, like, reading the mood, reading the tone, reading the pace of the show. Yeah. And keeping it going. And I think that's why stand-ups are the best. And so that's why I'm afraid... That's a big part of the reason I'm afraid of Seth MacFarlane. The other, the main part of the reason I'm afraid of him hosting is that I don't think he's funny, right? At all. So maybe he'll have good writers. Although I guess he hasn't. I guess he can't really recognize that when he sees it. <laughs> but um, all right, okay. So uh, let, let's move on. Let's talk now about, we're talking why, about the stuff you. We're talking about stuff you don't like here. Let's talk about stuff we do like. But I'm talking about. Uh, I am getting at the stuff that I do like, which okay. is the, the uh, sort of the pomp and circumstance of, of the Oscars and of other award shows in general, but the Oscars are still my favorite to watch. Um, although they keep, they, they keep doing things that, uh, change it from what I, what I like. I would, uh, I know, uh, and I think you probably disagree with me here. You could cut down the speeches even further for me and have more montages and retrospectives. That's the stuff I like. Cause I like that as like masturbatory as it is the uh hollywood celebrating itself mm. that's the stuff that i that i like i like that it's um the the show or at least my idea of the show and, and what it is some years is not just a look back at the last 12 years of movies but it's like it's why when i um when i have live tweeted the oscars in the past i'm not uh i'm not sure i will do that this year um yeah i didn't I do it, it last year it's just, just become overwhelming yeah um but incidentally though one of the most fun uh, read norm mcdonald follow him just okay. for the oscars and then enjoy it is a gift that keeps but on giving i've started off my live tweet i think almost every year i've done it saying happy birthday hollywood <laughs> um because that really is kind of what it feels yeah. like you're you're celebrating this particular sort of wing um you know, for better or worse, the most influential wing of the entire global filmmaking uh, industry. And, uh, yeah, you're talking about what movies were good this year, but it's really just a celebration of of the Hollywood system, which and I have plenty of hatred for. No, no question. <laughs> as yeah. well, but also plenty of... I have a, I have a very uh, uh, ambivalent... Um, relationship with Hollywood because it formed my childhood and my you know uh, ideas of the world and 
instilled me with a love of cinema and then also does more than anything else to murder cinema. Yeah, not unlike, not unlike a Seth MacFarlane punchline. Every once in a while, Hollywood will put something out there that really lands. Um, <laughs> uh, but w- and when it lands, you get like a Jaws. Or, well, I mean, this year, uh, or, Life, Life of Pi is... Um, and that's a that's a studio film. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a Fox film that was not produced independently and acquired later. It was made yeah. by Fox, and it's one of my favorite films of the year. Yeah, it's a and it's a beautiful it, movie, and that just sometimes, I it it's it's weird that when you think of it like like the studio produced a movie that doesn't necessarily have commercial value, like an Avengers or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, Which I also and love. they made it. Yeah, but like. Life of Pi, like, there's no guarantee that's going to make a lot of money, but they made it because they wanted to make it. And, like, when you think of that, it's like, well, it's like the stars are aligning. It's, the, the idea <laughs> of it is so foreign. But that's the thing. <clears throat> now, real quick, I do want to address uh, uh, what you commented on, like, making the speeches shorter. You know, I, I'm fine with the speeches partially because it's just like, well, you know, they're taking the time to actually honor this person. So let this person have their say. That's fine. Um, the thing that gets me, the th- you know, the changes that they make that I don't necessarily like, it's like, you don't have to take out the songs. I may not always like them, but y- some of the best moments from the Oscars have been performances of songs. Mm-hmm. And also, it is a show. There's a stage there. Like, it can't just, it doesn't have to be just one guy talking or, yeah. or a number of speeches I or montages. I completely agree. And so, like, I mean, think about it. Like, Ro- Robin Williams singing Blame Canada, and there's just this huge spectacle to it, is amazing. Uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, as their characters from A Mighty Wind, singing their song, is shocking, was surprisingly touching. You know, like... And this this year, you could potentially have Rick Ross performing 100 Black Coffins from Django Unchained. <laughs> There's a lot of possible songs from, from Django Unchained. But, uh, yeah, and it's, and of course you'll also get, you know, the boring, kind of the more boring songs. But even, I don't know. That it's, one from Crash. Yeah, but which, was, they, which they did a weird kind of... Uh, sung by the actress who plays uh, Toby's ex-wife on The West Wing. <laughs> okay. She, I, she wrote that song. B- Bird York? Yeah. Oh, okay. Kathleen Bird York. Oh, okay. I just his, know her as Bird York, but uh, uh, is it Kathleen? Something like that. But yeah, that's her. Hmm. What's that? I didn't what was know. Was in the West Wing? I do not recall. Andy? Maybe. It was like a. I don't know. Anyway. Somebody, somebody would probably know this, but she's not available at the moment. Okay. But um, and so so doing stuff like that, like embracing the nature, like I would have loved to see uh, Ryan Burnham perform uh, the Weary Kind. Like it's just there are some songs that just are really wonderful, and I and I would love to have seen them when they sang uh, that thing you do that was nominated that year, and it was great. You know, various songs yeah, from I, the Lion King. I, I'm with you. I, I like those um, performances, but I also do. I like, don't like the weird interpretive dance thing. Eh. Every once in a while, it can work out well. Like in ninety <laughs> in ninety seven, or I'm sorry, in ninety eight for ninety seven, they did like interpretive dances for the s- scores. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And they did one for Men, Men in, in Black, Black, which was great. I really enjoyed. I think it. I remember like, and it really fit with. It stuck with me at least. Yeah, and so um, so I'm fine with that. But also the. Uh, I do like the idea of what you're talking about. Like like more montages that celebrate film in general because that's what this is it is a celebration of film and and this is where i get into why what i do like about the oscars and awards in general though they are vaguely masturbatory they acknowledge 
I recognize that art is subjective. What you know, you didn't, you hated Ted. Some people love it. It's it's the way it works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of our he hasn't written for us in a while. Um, he hasn't written for us in a while. But Daniel Bergamini, just on his own blog, released his top ten. Number one, John Carter, a movie that I saw and liked, but it is it's on a lot of worst of lists of the year. Oh yeah, but he loved it, and I I think Daniel has very good taste, and so it's it's just so it is subjective. I get it, but what I like about awards and about <coughs> the Oscars is it celebrates the idea that there is good. There is sometimes I don't agree. Crash, for example, mm-hmm. um, but they do they do seem to agree that like there is a there is a there is excellence. There is such a thing as excellence and striving to be good. Now there is also striving to win awards, which sometimes means you're pandering to a certain type of thing but you never know every once in a while there's a movie you know i think you and i've talked about this and and um scott and i uh scott sorry scott and i and i uh were talking about him writing a blog about uh, the concept of oscar bait and that sort of thing um but there has been recently kind of a, a weird rash not in a not a bad way but there's been a a a slate of movies that don't seem like Oscar movies, like like No Country for Old Men, yeah. is a dark and cynical film, I, but it's good, and you cannot help but recognize it. I think increasingly the movies that seem like Oscar bait um, will get acting nominations. I think we'll probably see at least one for The Impossible this year. Yeah, which to me that is that seems like a very Oscar bait type movie. Yeah. Um, I, did you see it? I, I did not. No, like I it. didn't. See did it. not like it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But it probably will be nominated for that performance, and would it deserve it? For, for Naomi Watts? Watts? Yeah. Um, I could probably think of better. She is really good. Okay. Uh, I think it should... I would nominate it for makeup, okay. um, but I don't think it's thought of as the type of movie, and also the stuff is so gory that you couldn't like show... You can do like best makeup, the impossible, and then show clips of like people with like flaps of skin hanging off oh. them. And, like it's it's a. I did not expect the impossible to be as gory as it is. Um, well, good for for being that. Yeah, it is really uh, definitely impactful when you when you see that kind of stuff. But um, uh, yeah, if if I were going to nominate the impossible for anything, it would be for makeup. And the thing is, sometimes the Oscars will. Uh, speaking of like Oscar bait, sometimes the Oscars will kind of. They, they will subvert the expectations that they have set up, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll be like 2009. No, we will not uh, honor Avatar, the money making epic by a proven Oscar winning filmmaker. We're going to go with this m- tiny movie that made no money yeah. and we're going to give it some pretty substantial stuff. So they'll do that. And then the next year. The, I, I like the King's Speech. I don't necessarily love it. It was in my top ten of that year, but then I saw more movies. Um, but uh, and and everyone agreed that it was going to win Best Actor, and and rightfully so. I thought Colin Firth was great, and maybe even screenplay. But like they just just pushed Social Network to the side, and and a lot of other great movies. But the King's Speech feels like an Oscar movie. Absolutely right. Okay, it's, and That's it feels like Oscar. It feels like a flagrant Oscar movie. Now, I do think it's 
you know, it's still good. Like a movie can be kind of Oscar baity and, and be good. But uh, but yeah, every once in a while the Oscar like the Oscars will they'll just kind of give you these things and you're like, huh? You know, I'm not a huge fan of The Departed, but it doesn't seem it's not the type of movie. It's, it's ultra violent. It's Scorsese, but it's still like ultra violent and like mm-hmm. I don't really. I don't like a lot of these characters. Not it certainly isn't very inspiring, but it's not depressing in the kind of way that the Oscars like either. And so it's like that, and then No Country for Old Men. Like, wow, this is really. And then something like King's Speech comes along. But, and then I, I want to talk about the artist because I feel like that's a movie that get it. It got thought of as Oscar bait after it started getting all the Oscar buzz. Because I think I don't I, think there's anything Oscar baity about that. Yeah, I, I want to defend that movie. I know a lot, a lot of people are down on it. I, I I love that movie. I think it's uh, a lot of fun, and probably for a lot of the same reasons I love the Oscars. So it's yeah. Uh, uh, you know, dovetails. I'd say this the mm-hmm. dovetails with our episode here. Um, anyway, uh, but I mean that that was a, a very idiosyncratic and um, bizarre and, and risky movie um, that is also uh, much more of a comedy than I think people think of it as because it is yeah. it is a sappy movie. It, you know, it's got a yeah. lot of sentiment to it and. Uh, it celebrates Hollywood and it's uh, emotional and it's, so in that way is it fits the Hollywood bill but it is um, well it's a it's a melodrama in the way that you and I talk about it in uh-huh. that like just heightened extreme emotions but done incredibly well but I, I we talk about how comedies never win best picture and I think the artist is I would if I were working at a video store and it came out I would put it in the comedy section yeah, I think I probably would too. Uh, so what do you think? It, I, I have a bad memory of because as much as I love the Oscars, I often forget what has won. What was the last comedy before the artist to win Best Picture? Um, well, hang on. Okay, the artist, King's Speech, Hurt Locker, Hurt Locker, Slumdog, Slumdog Millionaire, No, no Country, Country for Old Men, The Departed, Departed Crash, Crash, Million Dollar Baby, Baby, I always forget that one, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Uh, Chicago, Chicago. That's a musical. That's comedy musical okay. in the Golden Globe. Yeah, yeah. The okay, well, so we'll put that away. Uh, and then let's see. Gladiator, Beautiful Mind, Gladiator, American Beauty, Shakespeare in Love. Okay, American Beauty is kind of a comedy too, though. Kind of, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess you wouldn't put it there. Shakespeare in Love. Okay, yeah. So ninety-eight. Yeah. Is Shakespeare in Love any good? Yes, I liked it at the time. It's. I've seen it since. I didn't like it at the time. I. Really? Lo- okay. I kind of love it now. Because I feel like it's one of those movies that uh, I'm afraid that if I rewatch, I'll be like, oh, I would just like that because I was young and hadn't seen as many movies. No, I think it's uh, it's one of those where I, like so many other people, and I mean, you know, we talked about 11 Points Countdown the la- when we were last on. Um, we talked about, you know, uh, least deserving best picture winners, which were decided not by you and I, but by the, the their viewers. And... Um, and Shakespeare in Love was on there, and it's like, well, that that lost to Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan is a very good movie, and it's and it's a real spectacle, and it won, and it won director as I think it should have. It's a very good movie. It's not great though. Oh, Saving Private Ryan. Oh yeah. I mean that that first. I mean the first twenty minutes are well, they blow everyone away, mm-hmm. and 
after that, there's some really good performances and some good scenes, but as a whole, I feel like it doesn't really hang together. But um, it's a directorial achievement more than anything else. It start, yeah, it starts off by doing something you've never seen in a World War II movie yeah. for 20 minutes, and then spends the rest of the movie doing the stuff you've seen in every World War II movie. Well, kind of. doing the stuff that you that you haven't seen in 40 or 50 years, <laughs> right, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, but that, and that's okay. That's perfectly okay. You know, you certainly haven't seen it as gritty as that, and so. Um, but no, I think I think Shakespeare in Love. Whereas that, you that can be rewatched over and over. There's a lot of fun. There's a lot of great performances, and there's just and it, there's just such as there, there's a sense of joy to that movie. I, and I don't know everybody involved, with the maybe exception of Joseph Fiennes, um, <laughs> seems to be really be enjoying themselves. Um, but yeah, and so uh, so to go back to to what we were talking about is that like even even when I think the Oscars get it wrong and even then I, I don't like to necessarily put it that way it might bother me but at the very least like it winds up being kind of a snapshot of that year and you know it's not, I think everybody everybody agrees it's really not the end of the world if something doesn't win I believe uh, was it this was it this last year or the year before that where somebody was presenting for best director and it's like and now we'll discover you know who will win the Oscar and who will merely be uh, among the ranks of Alfred Hitchcock and Stanley Kubrick and the various other directors that never won Best Director. You know, mm-hmm. and it, so there does seem to be an, an acknowledgement that like this only means so much, um, and we have a history of getting things wrong. <laughs> and so, um, but at the very least, it acknowledges that there is such a thing as good, and it's not merely it, it's it's not merely people's choice awards which basically isn't that the same as box office right yeah, it seems yeah. like it would be and it's worth noting like the nominees this year for best picture um probably aren't going to be i don't know the impossible uh what else uh or aren't, aren't going to only be i should say the impossible promised land i don't know Hyde best Park exact, on yeah best exact <laughs> best America America hotel. Hotel. Yeah. like this stuff you think of as really sort of middle brow pablum yeah. Um, and even the like stuff- the, so that stuff will get nominated, but also, I mean, usually every year we've done like our top ten lists. And at least one or more of my top five is nominated for best picture. Social oh, network, yeah. uh, Tree of Life, um, Tree of Life, Take Shelter wasn't right. No, um, which was my favorite movie last no. year. Uh, although I've since. I have a new number one for 2011 because of my rules. Once upon a time in Anatolia. Oh, okay. Uh, doesn't qualify for 2012 or else it would be pretty high there um uh anyway um, i don't live in the past <laughs> uh although no, i guess i did talk about the revisionism of king's speech being in my, in my top 10 there uh, are uh there are years when my favorite movie of the year is inland empire and you know that's not gonna get yeah uh anyway that's neither here nor there um what I'm, what I'm saying is that uh, what you were saying is that they're not getting it 100% wrong. Right. Yeah. I mean, the fact that, I mean, Tree of Life is not a very accessible film, and it didn't make a lot of money. Nor is The Master, which will probably be nominated for Best Picture this year. Maybe. There's a, uh, I think it'll be up for, that's the thing, it's it's a lot of fun. Well, okay, I'll talk about predictions well, in a moment. you can have as many as ten. I know nominees. You think but there's ten not, movies going to get nominated that aren't don't include the master? It is not being bandied about like other movies. Um, the Village Voice poll. 
Number one. Number one movie of the year. Yeah. And it's showing up on a critics list. What does that uh-huh. mean? Nothing. Yeah, I guess you're right. You know, I hate to put it that way, but like... You Nothing know, for the Oscars. It's not, even, yeah. it's not even guaranteed a Best Actor nomination now. Like, every, like, it was a foregone conclusion that Joaquin Phoenix would be nominated, but now it's a pretty... It's a pretty solid field without him. With like there are six or seven with Richard Gere, great lead male performances. Oh yeah, did you watch Arbitrage? No, not yet. Oh, so I just mean like as far as okay. what people are talking about, and uh, and so yeah, like it's. It. But that's that's uh, again. I think I would still think. I think I still think Joaquin Phoenix. That's a performance, the lead male performance of the year. Oh, and then in the meantime, what's I don't remember his name, but the guy from Holy Motors, he's winning all these critics awards. Uh-huh. Not not even not even in contention. Yeah, and he's great. He should be in contention. It is a yeah. it is a, an amazing performance um in so many different ways. There's um you know, uh you always pick you always see as the clip in things uh, some sort of speech moment. There's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of dialogue in Holy Motors. Okay. Uh it's an incredibly physical performance, and I don't just mean that it's incredible how physical he's being, but how much of himself he's telling you through his physicality. Hmm. It's a really, really great performance. Yeah, and uh, and everything about like if somebody if somebody came to the Oscars and said, "Hey, there's this movie called Holy Motors. It's it's very you know it's I know you don't like very unique, but it's unique. It's not that I don't like it. It's that it's incorrect. I think unique means one of a kind. I believe you and I looked it up once and decide and determined that uh, unique does not necessarily mean one of a kind. It could be ten. Well, but of, the thing is, ten out of a hundred. The problem is that if people misuse something long enough, uh, the dictionary will add that definition. And so, and here we are. So it's just become codified the <clears throat> the misuse of the word unique. <clears throat> Hey, you know, uh, the dictionary is a living document, and I think it can yeah. be uh, updated if we want it to be. I know, I'm glad it's a living document. I just think sometimes I, <laughs> I don't always have to agree with it. Absolutely. The hell were we talking about? Oh, anyway, so like if somebody had said to, you know, the Oscars, like, hey, here's this movie. It's, it, people love it. You know, uh, the critics love it, and it's just, it, you're not going to see another movie like it this year. Mm-hmm. And then the Oscars were to watch the movie. I have a feeling they'd be like, get out of my office <laughs> like it has that quality to it it is I, I i keep saying this i might have said it on the podcast already but like i mean i like a lot of weird movies i watch a lot of weird movies that movie yeah. is really weird okay <laughs> yeah it's uh i oh i kick myself for this because i wound up I, w- I was gonna go to the screening i was on my way i got stuck in traffic and i wound up being about 10 minutes late and yeah. i yeah. did not want to yeah I didn't want to. I don't like to do that. No, I, I'd rather not have seen it than walk in like that. Yeah, I, so, I, I agree. Um, um, real quick, while we're talking about performances of the year, uh, male performances supporting for me, Leonardo DiCaprio is better in Django Unchained than he has ever been, and I like a lot of his performances. But I think I agree with you. I think this this performance in Django Unchained is his is a career best for him. Yeah, and I think it's well. We've got to be careful not to go into like uh, predictions. That's for like next week. But uh, right. Um, but yeah, I think I think it, because it's him doing that and doing it and just n- hitting it out of the park. Um, I think uh, I think I think he could win. I was going to say this is Philip Seymour Hoffman's year, but DiCaprio hasn't won before. It's a le- it's a lead actor in a supporting performance that's very kind of showy, but he but he still manages to make it 
surprisingly real yeah. um, while still clearly having a blast. And meanwhile, Freaking Entertainment Weekly says he's probably not even going to be nominated. They think it's going to be uh, Christoph Waltz. Huh. Uh, where was it? Maybe on IMDb or something, but like with the exception of movies where the cast is list- listed alphabetically, Django Unchained is the first movie DiCaprio's been in since like 96 where he wasn't billed first. Hmm. He's never, he doesn't do supporting yeah. roles at all. Well, hang on. 98, he was in Celebrity. And that's one where it's listed alphabetically. Ah, fair enough. Yeah. Damn. There's got to be. There's got to be. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah. And so, I, okay. So, we're kind of we're going uh, hither and thither. But um, it's... And, and we, we have talked about this before, that, like, there is... Whether we like it or not, there is a certain degree of prestige to the Oscars, or at least not, prestige isn't even the word. There is just something to it. Somebody could just decide, you know what? I'm going to start watching good movies. They could. Chances are, if they decide they're going to do that, they're going to just say like, what won Best Picture, mm-hmm. what, or what was nominated. Like, I'm going to go through all the best pictures, and it's like you may not wind up wind up with the best picture of that year, but you're gonna if you go from, you know. If you go from the artist to wings, um, you're going to get a pretty good, pretty good picture of American and British film. Um, <laughs> it's unfortunate that uh, like a, f- a foreign language film has never won Best Picture. Huh? Is that true? I believe so. Yes. Huh. I mean, of course, there's some where kind of where there'll be like, uh, you know, mixed languages and stuff, but never, you know, not like uh, not like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon or, you know, an El Postino or something like that. In some cases, it's like, hey, in the same way that an an animated film has never. And I think now that there's an animated category will never. Yeah. The closest I think the closest it ever could have come was Life is Beautiful, because then you've got a winning best actor score foreign film people are you know people were thrilled like they really wanted to support that movie i think that's the closest you're ever going to get um do you think the the two leads from amor will get nominated i think uh, she will yeah i don't think he will huh. emmanuel emmanuel riva yeah yeah I mean, it's really more his movie yeah that's what i hear it sounds having not seen it and but reading about it hers seems like it seems like he's got more of the arc than her because of the nature of her character yeah, I mean, she she's doing great work, but yeah. it's uh, yeah, the, it, it's more about the effect this is having on him. Yeah, but anyway. that's that's the other thing is that like, and I don't want this to turn into a complaining session about the Oscars because ultimately, like, hey, at least at least they're talking about it. At least the film, you know, it'll probably be up for screenplay. They're saying it could be up for director. It'll probably be up for actress, and so. You know, some people could just arrive and be like, all right, what are the, what are, these are the movies that are apparently good, so let's start watching them. Mm-hmm. And they may wind up watching them more and be like, ah, this is boring, or this is, I don't like it, but they're, they're getting exposure to it. And I know this is all theoretical in my mind, but I, there has to be, it's, it's not unlike the AFI list. Like, people, when they decide, it's what happened to me when I was a kid, I decided I wanted to watch better movies, so I just said, okay, best picture, 1970 and 1990. 
Let's see which one. Well, I said, let's see which ones interest me, and let's see which. Let's see. So you watch Gandhi. Uh, I did. I watched that in English class, but like I watched The Godfather and Patton and French Connection and The Sting, and so like, yeah, a lot of the, the ones the from Gandhi the seventies. Really Gandhi is definitely an example of them getting it wrong. <laughs> it's not a very good movie. Do you like it? Good lead performance. Yeah, but that doesn't make it a best picture. He, he can win no. his best. Did he win that year? He did. That's great. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad for him. But that's not the best picture. And that's the that's the thing is like E.T. came out that year. I know the verdict came out that year. I love the verdict. Um, but uh, yeah, that was yeah uh, yeah okay. Um, and so so while I for example this this year because we were talking about you know the Oscars getting it wrong like Emmanuel Riva probably should be nominated for supporting actress. Yeah, if, I guess. if anything, I guess it'd be, yeah. And part of me is like, how about this? Switch it up. Throw uh, Anne Dowd's probably not going to be nominated for compliance. Throw her in lead because that's where she belongs. Mm-hmm. Take Emmanuel Reba. Just have him switch. It's uh-huh. fine, you know. But uh, <laughs> but it's one of those things. Like it bothers me. But the very fact that Anne Dowd is her name is being thrown around, even in supporting, it's like I'll take it. Like yeah. it, if 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 kind of demoting her allows that film to get more recognition I, the thing that bothers me about that is if you're not saying Ann Dowd is the lead of compliance who are you saying is the lead Dream of right. Walker because she's on the poster well the, they, could, Pat. they could say <laughs> no it's they could say well it's an ensemble except it isn't it's clearly like yeah, you know yeah. there is no lead in Magnolia there's no lead in shortcuts but I see what you mean. Yeah. compliance is not that right it very much it there is an ensemble quality to it, but this is this woman's. It starts with her, it ends with her. She has an arc. It's very much her movie. But you know what? If that's if she winds up getting nominated for supporting actress, I'm going to be thrilled because that is one of the other things that the Oscars does, and that's one of the things that I can get excited about. Is you know, it can it can make people aware of movies they wouldn't otherwise be aware of, but they can, it can also take an actor or actress or a writer or whatever that has been kind of just just banging around Hollywood for a long time as uh, Ann Dowd has been. And suddenly they're a lot more sought after, like, like a Richard Jenkins after the visitor. Yeah. I mean, he was, he'd got, don't get me wrong. He was getting plenty of work. Uh, but now, you know, I, I saw, what year was the visitor? 2008. Okay. But like now I saw a post, I saw there are a few posters for killing them softly, but I saw one and he made the poster. Oh. Brad Pitt makes sense. James Gandolfini makes sense, but like the only other head on there is Richard Jenkins, and he. Burn after reading was after. That was also two thousand eight. Okay, so the same thing. Okay, yeah, but it's. Uh, Do you know? Quick, another quick aside. I talked a while ago about how I only recently first saw Burn After Reading, mm-hmm. uh, only a few months ago. The more I think about it, the more I love it. I really love that movie. Yeah, I think yeah, as I think we talked about on the show, but like people were upset that it wasn't No Country for Old Men, but it's like yeah, but it's every there's still a lot of interesting philosophy going on there, and it's just it's madcap, and it's just as in many ways it's just as dark. That's the thing that I, I think I have a problem with movies that are comedies that include violence. Mm-hmm. That I don't know if it's a philosophical problem. It just doesn't work for me. If the if the violence is, you know, cheap or or you know not uh, not not bloody, you, you know, like it. I like the contrast. That's what, the reason that thirty minutes or less is such a great uh, 
premise for a movie that is complete whiff. Yeah. Like, it really just missed the mark because they softened how fucked up the premise is of mm-hmm. 30 Minutes or Less. Whereas Burn Up the Reading is a very funny comedy that is also really realistically violent. Yeah. Like, when... Uh, anyway, I don't want to... Yeah, talk, yeah. Let's... I don't talk about... There's, there's something involving Richard Jenkins' character that is, like... <laughs> like it, it, it will you'll be laughing and then it'll just shut you up oh yeah you you will choke on that laugh <laughs> yeah um anyway and so, that, so that's something that that the oscars can do and that's just and that i guess ultimately where we're coming down to and this is it's the same we're kind of repeating ourselves the same reason that we enjoy those montages it's why i like the oscars in general and why i like award <laughs> season it is a celebration of movies it is an acknowledgement that there is such a thing as good it pushes people to even if even if they're making it just good enough to win an Oscar, it's acknowledging like, well, you can't just make shit all the time. Uh-huh. Sometimes you want to make something good, yep. even if it's for your own, you know, even if it's for your own, uh, just because you want an award personally, even if it's just for that, you're probably going to put out some pr- some fairly good work that people will enjoy. And um, I think we can sort of. Uh wrap up with with this maybe uh i think i i I like the oscars and i take them somewhat seriously and i think that um as long as people do take them somewhat seriously and then they won't devolve into being the the people's choice awards or the golden globes as fun a telecast as the golden globes are they're they're a joke oh yeah um in my uh, in my and everyone knows it. Yeah, in my fantasy Oscar draft, we toyed with the idea of actually getting docked points if you got a Golden Globe nomination. <laughs> That's very funny. Um, and uh, I know people were. Uh, I I was fine with Ricky Gervais. I didn't love him, but the second year he hosted, he had such a great line because the first year he hosted was when the Tourist was nominated. And he, yeah, and he kept making fun of the Tourist. Yeah, the second year he hosted, he brought Johnny Depp out on stage like made reference to it and he said i want to ask you a question have you seen the tourist (laughs) that really made me laugh all right but um as long as there's a contingent of people taking the oscars seriously then they will remain uh uh, a mark of achievement yeah you know and and stuff like a more uh and Tree of Life and The Master, you know, idiosyncratic stuff like that will uh, continue to get nominated. And and you're right. Exactly what you're saying. It'll put it in front of people's faces. And and because it wouldn't be our show unless we end with a complaint. Um, sure. Because we were talking about the changes they make. They, we need to... S- <laughs> okay. A couple things. I do like the In Memoriam because it acknowledges both through, you know, uh, showing agents and, you know, sound editors and stuff that there, it's more than just the actors, writers and directors. Yeah. You know, you got to go back to the applause though. I hate the, I hate the silent in memoriam. I, I go, I, I go back and forth between the two. Um, I hate it. It feels so antiseptic to me. Whereas I want to hear people reacting like that's so the part very, of the part of what gets me to well up is hearing, that people are 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 sad or you know are are celebrating these careers it, it feels like when it's silent it's just like 
just like it's contractual. Like, we got to get this out of the way. You know, let's just do it before this commercial break. Like, I'm not seeing the audience. For all I know, they're not even seeing this, and everyone's gotten up to get a drink. It, right. You know, uh, I I really really hate the silent in memoriam. It is unfortunate though that like because then the then like when there's almost no applause for a sound editor or maybe a, a character actor long past his prime but mm-hmm. was in a couple great movies in like the 50s here's the thing we're all adults we know that some of these people have more and here's where i get condescending not to you okay are we all adults or is that lack of applause going to mirror is that going to sort of give the people watching at home the opportunity to be like yeah see i don't know who that guy is well what do i care what those people say that I feel like I, it doesn't, I feel, it like, I feel like that actor deserves more. It doesn't damage anyone. The actor is dead. He doesn't know that people aren't applaud- applauding. His for family him. does. His family are already mourning him in their own way. They, and they got need, their money. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need validation. Like I they know. know they love their their grandpa or what have you. I guess to me it's this weird, it's this weird idea of like eventually like equality and death. You know, in this idea, it's like, you know, one, like, I'm fine with actors being celebrated and making more money in life because I feel like they should make more money because nobody goes to see a movie for the wonderful carpentry. You know, I hate to put it that way, but not to say, not to say carpenters aren't important, but like actors have their role to play quite literally and figuratively. And, uh, and so I'm okay with that, but there's something about like the Oscars is a celebration of all things film. And so, but even here, the better the well-known actors get more applause than because they're better known it it's not it doesn't offend me at all it's just and I, yeah it, that's the way it is it more doesn't necessarily offend me it's this weird, i don't know it's i go i do go back and forth cuz i cuz the thing is i hate that silent thing like yeah, it's, it's i don't know what i want you know what i want i want a equal applause for everyone <laughs> i want to redistribute the applause so that it's so that there's a, a nice middle class of applause spread the applause around <laughs> right um so but that so okay so I like that because it it, it very least acknowledges because hey there are you know there are like sound editors and stuff I hate to keep keep going back to that but you know when but Skip, they're the lowest of the low. yeah when Skip Leavesay dies we're all gonna be sad yeah but uh, I'm gonna miss seeing that name I know because I love him and you see it a lot yeah that but, guy uh, works Skip when uh, when the you know when you do see that they're acknowledging this person it's like yeah movies are it really is a collaborative thing. So I like the acknowledgement of that. They got to bring back these freaking uh, lifetime achievement speeches. Like, oh. It, oh. it's that, it, like, here's the thing. I that, like the montages and stuff, but, like, if you're doing a montage of, like, horror and you incorporate Twilight into that horse shit, like, I'm sorry, it's not horse shit until you incorporate Twilight and then it retroactively <laughs> becomes horse shit because then it's like you don't even know what horror is. Like, you can't put Nosferatu with Twilight. It doesn't work. But, uh, like, Take one of those out and let, you know, you go back, you watch, you, okay, Charlie Chaplin won, got Lifetime Achievement in 71, and it is such, I mean, it is so moving to see. Peter O'Toole's speech mm-hmm. when he won Lifetime Achievement in 2002. Like, these are, like, Altman? this is, Altman, yeah, and uh, Blake Edwards, like. Oh, that was classic. And then, then you also get some fun stuff like uh, Ilya Kazan, um, but, uh, yeah. which, you know, and, th- but that's the thing. The controversy may he, of may him. He, may he rot in hell forever. Yes. 
Well, I don't know. I don't like to say that. <laughs> no, because you take it seriously. I do take I, it seriously. I, to me, it's just and, a thing that I and say. And also, because... part of me is like, ah, he did give us some good movies. <laughs> I know that's not, but that, but of course, what he did ca- made it impossible for other people to give us good movies as well. Yeah. So there's that. Um, but nonetheless, like his winning, and then the response to it—that's part of history. Like that is hi- that's history from 30, 40 years ago. Now being presented to it, so people are going to say, "Why is Ed Harris?" not standing and clapping mm-hmm. why is nick nolte, nick nolte yeah you know why is he sitting there stone-faced you know and just like the, the lifetime achievement that to me is when like the oscars are at their best because that is when they're saying we really screwed up here <laughs> peter o'toole we may have nominated him like seven times and there was another one coming after his after his eventual win like we may have nominated him a lot we never gave it to him i don't know what we were thinking this guy has contributed, and sometimes it's somebody like, uh, you know, Ennio uh, uh, Mor- Morricone. Morricone. Uh-huh. I never know how you say it. I'm um, good at that either. But, uh, you know, they recognize that, like, this is, this person is bigger than any one thing. It is a lifetime of achievement. Eli Wallach, I would have loved to see his speech. I, in fact, instead, you only see a, a little snippet. And it's just like, yeah. and it's so frustrating. It is. Um, because that's exactly the thing I'm talking about that I like most most about the Oscars. It's yeah. not about the year, but about movies. Yeah. So, so and I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to end on a complaint, but like I'm glad we got that in there. Yeah. Though it's a complaint that like it's like it did do this because it was a celebration of movies past and present, and in removing it, then it becomes a celebration of movies this last year. Yeah, and that's in theory what it's supposed to be, but it's also supposed to be more than that. It's yeah. part of a the Oscars are an institution that are bigger than just any individual year. Yeah. So. Yeah, they got to try to stop. They have to stop trying to bring in a younger audience because you know what? You're not going to. Yeah. No matter what you do, they don't care. Yeah, they'll they'll look at the hi- highlights on YouTube. Yeah. I hate to sound like. I mean, that's if I didn't have this, sometimes I would do that. Yeah, probably. You know. Yeah. So just stop trying. Stop trying. You have the audience you have, and that's probably as good as it's going to get. Yeah. I mean, obviously it goes up or down depending on like. The year in movies, you know, with something like Titanic is nominated. The right, anyway, but, whatever. What and I'm fine with like. And here's the thing: you get somebody like a John Stewart or or a, or a Conan O'Brien, you got it. You don't have to tweak the rest of it. Yeah. And you think that like a young audience is not going to enjoy songs? You think that like I guarantee you, there's going to be somebody in that death montage that they're like, oh. Right. I remember him from such and such. Like it's gonna happen. The young and, audience isn't gonna care about some old skeletons reminiscences <laughs> probably not but, <laughs> but if it's but if you do it well like i mean freaking go everybody go back and watch that chaplain speech or go back and watch uh peter o'toole's because that is freaking class and he does not overstay his welcome minute and a half out all right peter o'toole peter o'toole <laughs> You can find us at battleshippretension.com. You can email us, David at battleshippretension.com or Tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at The Pretension, and you can and should follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson. That's at morethanonelesson.com. My other podcast is Previously On. That's at previouslyonshow.com. That's it. Oh, all right. Thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.